This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that only runs on premium unleaded. I'm Scott with I'm Scott Phillips. With me as always is Dr. Anirban Mahati. G'day, Doc. Good day, Scott. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And your good self? I'm very, very excellent. I do call him Doc around the office, so hence the introduction. Uh, Doc, we got a few things to cover, and, and the mention of Premium Letter wasn't just me going off on a tangent. We're going to talk about Woolies and Caltex and the fuel deal that was done this week. Mm. We're also going to talk about a couple of broker downgrades from a couple of formerly darling stocks. Bellamy's and Domino's. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about a bit of the consolidation and, frankly, a bit of the kind of pushing and shoving in the media and advertising space. Mm-hmm. And the credit crunch. Is it on or is it off? Credit crunch. A few different perspectives we're going to go through. And I know you like talking about property, Doc, but I will try and keep you to a uh, no more than a couple of hours worth of ranting, if that's okay yeah. with you. I love property. <laughs> and you're going to get on your... Oh, speaking of property, you are going to get on your high horse. You've promised me this week I won't be on property, though, right? I, 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 all right. I'll try to keep I'll it. T- <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Mate, this week, uh, we had Woolies and Caltex finally agreeing to a deal on fuel. Now, the background here is that Caltex currently provide Woolies with the service stations at which they can redeem their four-cent shopper dockets and their kind of rewards program. And Woolies had tried to dump Caltex. They tried to do a deal instead with BP. But the ACCC got a little bit involved and said, guys, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. No deal. Woolies and Caltex almost kind of forced into getting back together again. And it kind of feels like a reasonable deal for both of them. Despite this being plan B, Woolies gets a bit of extra profit, a whole lot of extra service stations, and Caltex gets to keep the fuel supply. What's mm-hmm. going on? Well, I mean, um, okay. So there's uh, Woolies has been trying to sort of dump, actually, the uh, the fuel business for some time. It, right. tried, it tried to sell it off to, I, I believe, BP. Uh, that got knocked back by ACCC. Um, and, uh, you know, then, well, the ACCC then said, well, you know, um, you know, based on ACCC's restrictions, uh, I guess what Woolies figured is, well, they got to go back to Caltech. And <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like a good deal for the, uh, both of them. The Woolies CEO is on record to say that, you know, they are looking at options to exit that business. Right. Um, so whether by an IPO or, you know, an asset sale or something like that. In fact, as part of the deal they've announced, or maybe not as part of the deal, but at the same time as the deal they've announced a new leadership team designed to kind of lead the business out of the Woolworths folded into some sort of other other deal. $2 billion is the number I've heard most recently for the for the Woolies fuel business. Yeah, I heard $1.8 billion. Um, it looked like it was much higher when... Uh, when <laughs> Funny <laughs> that. <laughs> the BP. Um, indeed, yeah, indeed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's some, there's some logic here for uh, Woolies. Uh, you know, it... it um, the loyalty of the customers, mm. uh, you know, the rewards program mm. basically brings people to these um, these outlets. You can have some other convenience sales there and so on. But it's really not Woolies' core business, really. So, um, yeah. It's a funny it's a funny thing, you know, because as well as this deal, they also get to supply groceries to, I want to say, 700 Caltech stores around the, around the country, I think. It's a, it's a really funny deal. Woolworths kind of feels like they're doing pretty well. Caltechs feel like they're doing pretty well, despite the fact that Woolies kind of originally wanted to go with somebody else. And as you say, I think partly because they wanted to get rid of this business. It's a funny one. It's a kind of a really important one for their, as you say, their loyalty program. They need a loyalty partner in, in fuel. I mean, they, they kind of started this story, right? And then yep. Coles, and, uh, Coles and Shell got together. Mm-hmm. At, some, at some level, kind of surprised. Well, I guess if you can keep the supply and keep the arrangement, you don't need to own the asset, right? It's one of those That's things. Right. It's a bit like regulation. You don't yeah. need to – government doesn't need to own a, own a company to regulate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Woolies doesn't necessarily need to own the, the fuel stations to be able to redeem their, their petrol vouchers. 
but it does give me some reason for pause. Yes, you want to get rid of the asset. Is this just kind of financial engineering for its own sake? Are they trying to be too clever by half and they're risking the kind of growth story? If, if I sold off Woolworths Petrol decides not to accept Woolworths Shop at Ockerton anymore, it kind of feels to me like they're, they're, they're kind of selling the crown jewels and hoping that they can keep a lease on them. Is that, is that not too risky? Are they being too cute or is there some legitimate value behind the sale? Well, I, I think there's some legitimate value in the sense that, you know, if they can get an IPO happening here and they can unlock some value, mm. that's this value unlock for Woolish shareholders. I mean, if if I guess you're a Woolish shareholder, do you buy it for the Woolish grocery, <laughs> grocery business or do you buy it for the petrol business? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'd, take, I'd take the bet. Uh, and I mean, I understand the logic here. The logic, you know, the way, the way they started this is they wanted to provide um, Woolish customers with mm. an easy access to, uh, you know, petrol stations and, you know, convenience, basically. Yeah. So ex- expanding to these other 600 whatever stores, uh, providing grocery um, facilities, I mean, it looks legitimate, but it's not the core business. And, you know, I don't, uh, it's a bit of a financial engineering. It'll boost their, um, I guess, uh, their coffers and they can reduce some debt and things like that. Right. I I hear all that. I, I the, the the kind of the simple the simple investor inside me though thinks it's a little bit. It, it, I hope it's not going to be something that Woolish will, will shareholders you know regret come five or seven years time when all of a sudden the 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 supply deal goes away and the money's been spent and there's kind of a lot of whole value. Like I get the value. It's a little bit like I mean we'll talk about Bellamy's later, but Bellamy's was supposed to be this capital light wonderful branded business mm-hmm. until the fact they didn't own the supply chain almost yeah. literally sent them broke and it it, it just I can't help but feeling like it's one of those things that is is clever when times are good, but if times get tough, may well be uh, you know a bit of penny wise pound foolish. So yes, they made a bit of money selling the business, but I, I, I just worry they're not going to necessarily have much left over if the worst comes to pass and they lose that. All of a sudden, they've ceded the entire petrol discount market, if you like, mm-hmm. to Coles. Woolies may or may not find another partner to do the deal with, or, or an inferior partner, if they don't own the business anymore. I, I get why it's worth something to sell. I just it worries me that yes, you're right. Petrol is in their core business, but kind of these fuel discounts have become such a core part of the, the kind of value proposition for supermarkets that a supermarket without a discount program might be at a decent disadvantage to its competitors. That, that is possible, and, and I don't discount that. But I think, you know, in in the reality might be that they might be able to sell it off, the asset, and then do a deal with, let's say they sell it off to, I, I guess, Caltex, mm. right? And then do a deal with Caltex saying, well, you know, uh, honor our discount here. Yeah. And, and, you know, in return for that, they, they get customers, right? Customers come in. And maybe they actually can, you know, reap some value out of that. So it's possible. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll, I, mean, I don't have a strong <laughs> feeling about it. Yeah. Um, you don't. You don't have to buy them, but so David Jones a few years ago did a deal with Amex, and the deal was that they did deal with the Amex card, the David Jones Amex card, co-branded, and Amex paid DJs all the money up front, mm-hmm. and then in the year three or four, I think the profit basically went away. So DJs had this front-loaded deal. I don't want to say management did it because it was front-loaded or necessarily did it in any underhanded or, or untoward way, but there was a sense that David Jones' profits were popped up by a few years of having this deal done, and it looked like a great deal to do until that profit went away and DJs couldn't fill the hole. And so there was a massive kind of profit hole when they finally got rid of it. It, just, it worries me when anyone undergoes an asset sale like this where it's still a strategic part of the, 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 the company's opportunity or, or growth. Yet they don't have control over it. Now, it kind of just sticks in my core a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I take that. You know, it's good to be cynical about these sort of <laughs> Skep- things. Skeptical, uh, skeptical, skeptical, oh, yeah, skeptical yeah. is the right word. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, I'm looking at a number. It says like you know they are about uh, this Woolies petrol business is worth about mm. hundred million dollars in EBIT. That's not small. So right, right. So I, I mean, you know, there's a valid point there. Maybe. That being said, yeah. if you get two billion dollars for it, I suppose that's twenty times earnings. You probably exactly. take that. Yeah. 
All right. Motley Fool Money. Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Let's move on from Woolies to another couple of consumer stocks, and I've already highlighted one of them. This week, I think it was Thursday this week, Doc, we saw a couple of brokers, a few brokers come out and downgrade two of the formerly darling stocks of the ASX, Bellamy's and Domino's. Mm-hmm. Both fell 9 point something percent, almost in, in some degree of sympathy on the day. Mm. Uh, the brokers are kind of abandoning these stocks. Now, I want to go through them one by one because some interesting kind of component parts to what we're talking about here. Let's do Bellamy's first. We'll do it in alphabetical order. Goldman Sachs downgraded Bellamy's Price target, and we we don't necessarily love price targets, but they downgraded the price target by eighteen percent mm-hmm. from I want to say twenty four odd dollars down to about twenty one dollars, give right. or take. Don't mm-hmm. do the maths because it's probably not exactly eighteen percent, but mm-hmm. trust me. And the shares fell nine percent on the back of that, mm. but to about twelve dollars. So here's Goldman Sachs on one hand saying, "Okay, well look, we're not as optimistic as we used to be, yet our price target is still the best part of double the current share price." Mm. Why, in that scenario, do shareholders bail out rather than saying, well, great, there's still nine bucks of upside. We'll hold our shares till we get that, to, to achieve that result. Why, why bail out so significantly at a price below their target price? Yes, it's downgrade, but surely it's a downgrade from awesome to simply wonderful mm. rather than from kind of okay to terrible. Mm-hmm. Why is everyone abandoning ship? Well, okay. First, I never understand price targets. <laughs> <laughs> it's, very, it's amusing to see price targets. Yeah. Um, well, I think when there is a report out like that, I guess some people feel, well, you know, this might be the start of more bad news, right? Yeah, okay. Um, it's coming just before earnings and, you know, earnings are going to start. Maybe some people feel, oh, these guys have some insider view. Um, you know, people are skeptical and they they might think, well, more bad news might follow. Yeah. Other people might downgrade. So why not, you know, why you know, maybe get out now before, hmm. you know, somebody downgrades it to like $10, right? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So... I don't know. I mean, these price targets are all over, what, 12-month period. It's, uh, I mean, that's really short term, right? And trying to figure out what the stock is going to do over the next 12 months is really hard. I mean, they, they did raise some concerns around uh, uh, Chinese approvals and things like that. I mean, if you know, if those things don't happen, then there, there are bigger problems, I guess, in the business. Yeah, that's right. So the Chinese FDA, their version of our Therapeutic Goods Administration, and their version of the US FDA, which I'm sure is where they got the acronym from, uh, they've delayed the approval of some of the Bellamy's products into China. And that's why Goldman Sachs have had a little bit of a, a concern, as you say, 12-month price targets, neither here nor there for long-term investors. But in the short term, Goldman Sachs are worried that maybe that approval won't come through or won't come through as quickly as I'd otherwise hoped. Um, I still it's just I, I know I know it's not your thing; it's not my thing either. But what 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 if you had to speculate, and you do because I'm asking you the question, you're on a podcast, so let's let's, let's go with the idea. Sure. Uh, why why for all of that? Why are investors? It, it just it boggles my mind. The share type target is so much above the current share price. Why, as a shareholder, put yourself in those shareholders' minds. Why were you selling on Thursday? What is it about Thursday's downgrade that made you think, well, gee, I would have taken a $24 share price, but not 21 when the price is already 12 mm. uh, It's like if someone said to me, look, I'll give you double the price for your house. I said, great. They said, oh, no, I won't anymore. I'll only give you 75% more. I, I don't know that I'm rushing to sell my house at a discount, right? I'm going to happily take the higher number. Mm. Well, I mean, you know, you, that's the perfectly rational thing to do is to, you know, not worry about the three dollar change or four dollar change in the in the price target, right? Um, I, I think the, the the issue here might be that um, sometimes, you know, these um, broker houses they have, um, you know, things like conviction lists and so on. If they dropped it from the conviction list, somebody might say, "Well, I only want to have stocks that are in that conviction list. Right, I okay. want high conviction stuff. Okay, I don't want stuff that's trending downwards, right? I want things that are going up. I, I don't know. I mean." You know, all sorts of logic <laughs> could be applied. I mean, uh, 
yeah, uh, if you like the business and you thought the business is going to be doing well for like the next five years, I mean, why would you bother? So if you held Bellamy's on Thursday morning, are you feeling less comfortable, more comfortable? Are you still, are you still positive about the company? I know, you know, I know you own it personally, but in the sense that put yourself in those situations, your, your Thursday morning, you see the broker note come out, they drop their price from 24 to 21. What are you thinking as, a, as an investor? Let's say it was a company you owned. Are you kind of so, thinking, well, I don't really care because I'm a long-term investor or there's enough upside left? Or are you a little bit worried as you say that maybe there's worse to come? Well, I think in this case, the the issues that they're raising are are you know they're not three dollar worth or not or the eighteen percent of twelve percent or whatever they downgraded by. Right. I mean, the problem is that it it, it for Bellamy's uh, China's a big market, and if for any reason uh, the the Chinese approval doesn't come through or has conditions and things like that, it's mm. going to have a big impact right. on sales. Right. And, and I mean, it, it's also a very competitive market. Right. There's a two milk there. Um, there are other products from Nestle and so on and so forth. So, I mean, if you if you don't get approval and your competitors do get approval, then you're going to lose market share to them. So, there's some sense that anything that stops them becoming one of the sort of first movers it may well limit their overall value creation over the fullness of time? Yeah, well, in, in the fullness of time. I mean, if you don't get approval, you don't have the market, right? right I mean, you right, don't right. build the brand there in that market and therefore you're disadvantaged. Okay, so to some degree, there's some, regardless of what the price was on Wednesday night, there is some sense that the business is simply a less, uh, slightly lower high quality, lower high quality. Do you like that? A slightly lower quality <laughs> business uh, come Thursday morning because it, it increases the odds that maybe something might go wrong. Yeah, maybe the risks have increased. You know, right, right, right. risks have increased, so you may be compensated for that. Some people maybe are not going to tolerate that risk and therefore decided to sell. That's that's my best speculation. I, I mean. like it. Mate, yeah. keep speculating. So I'm going to turn to Domino's now. Oh. It, it also fell nine percent on Thursday. And on the back of, I think, two or three broker downgrades on the other day, it's, it's, it's tempting to look at that and kind of go, how come three brokers came out on the same day with a downgrade? Mm. It, it, you know, it, it's, tempting to see, it's tempting to see conspiracies everywhere in the market and to think that somehow someone knows something you don't. Mm. Then again, when two or three come out, you kind of start to think, maybe have they got some new information? Has something changed? What, what, you know, what's going on in the background? Now, Domino is one, one of the highest short interests on the ASX, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those companies that really was has been everything from a from a, a hated stock to a market darling, now back again to something, I don't know, somewhere in between, probably. I suppose they went from you know, six dollars five years ago to up to seventy seven bucks. I think eighteen months ago. How much is it now? About thirty five. Yeah, about thirty five, forty mm. bucks recently. So you know, it depends on when you bought it. You've either, you've either still got a six bagger, mm. or you've lost half your money, or maybe mm. both if you hold it the whole way through. Mm. Um, t- talk to me about Domino's, mate. Your, your thoughts on on where the business is? Three brokers downgrading at the same time, just so close to earnings season. One, two, okay, three starts to feel like maybe something's going on or someone knows something. So, I mean, okay, I, again, I'm going to speculate. I don't actually follow Bellamy, uh, sorry, um, Domino's that closely. I have some thoughts, though, about Domino's. So, one is, um, Tumit looks like they're a pretty, you know, they're a pretty mature business in, in, in Australia. Right. Right. And uh, now I'll, I'll add something. Whenever I've gone to a Domino's, the line just amazes me. <laughs> so, they must be doing so some, true. So, so true. they must be doing something right. I mean, they have really tiny shops. That have this, <laughs> yeah, so they must not be paying a lot of money for those shops. Uh, and I, right. I understand that they're all franchise, but I mean, even, yes, the, yes. You know, even the in the franchisee, <laughs> it doesn't have to pay a lot. and they have these, you know, this humongous line, and you know, you wait <laughs> to get your pizza. Your pizza is coming in sixty minutes. I mean, that's <laughs> that's a lot of demand. 
man. So, um, uh, I, I guess Australians, you know, we all love uh, having a lot of pizza. We do, <laughs> so, we do. So, so that's good. But it looks to me there's a Domino's in every corner. Yep, right. I think so, that's probably right. Uh, so, growth seems hard. Yeah, that's that's my guess. Right. Um, they have European operations which they are trying to grow. I, th- I believe they're in Japan which they are trying to grow. Yep, correct. Um, so, growth is mostly international driven. Is my take. Um, with the, with these broker downgrades, sometimes these brokers, you know, they do, uh, I guess, channel checks equivalent, which might be, you know, trying to figure out mm. whether there has been same store sales equivalent, which is essentially looking at this year, last year, comparing the sale, comparing the store base that you had and trying to figure out whether there was growth there. They might have done something like that and figure that growth is maybe not as good as, you know, what mm. they had hoped and therefore they downgraded. I don't know. Um, I think that some of the growth issues might be legitimate. I mean, I have to say, uh, at the you know uh, the issues were definitely more significant when they were like in a seventy dollars stock and you know mm. less significant when it's a thirty five dollars stock. So um, you know that's those are the guesses. Maybe they, maybe <laughs> they know something you know based on channel checks that uh, other people don't know. <laughs> it's fun. and I guess the other thing too is that that short term nature, right? Of you know, is it is it going to have a tough six month period that mm. the reporting periods that Broadway is about to unveil, or is there was there something else down the down the pike? Yeah. Uh, I, I've, I've got something a confession to make that uh, my members of Motley Fool Share Advisor will know only too well, which is we we recommend the Dominoes at six dollars mm. and sold at thirteen dollars, and I felt like a genius because I'd made money for our members and it was it was great. And then the shares, as I've already mentioned, went up about sixfold from there, and still are up about threefold from from the price I sold. So I've got to rub my nose in a mistake uh, as I do this, uh, but it's also worth saying at the time, way back then. We saw same store sales, the, gro- the growth rate start to decline a little bit. I'm talking back maybe 2014, 2013, maybe. Yeah. And, and, you know, so I thought, well, growth rate's starting to slow. Maybe there's no more opportunity left. And five years later, it's possible, just possible, that maybe we're thinking the same thing, that the long term story might yet have a bit more to go. I'm mindful, of, I'm, I'm reminded a little bit of Starbucks, although I wouldn't necessarily say they're the same quality business, of kind of that sense of kind of, you know, too many stores, not enough stores, trying to find the right number of stores in the right locations that really manage to allow them to grow both total number of stores, but also sales per store. Uh, I'm 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 bullish on donors. I have to say at the current price, I don't know what's going to happen in this six month period. Maybe it's a terrible result. Maybe it's a great result. Maybe it's probably somewhere in between. Um, the long term future, though, I think to your point, I, yeah, so many lines out the door. So many people eating Domino's. Um, Domino's are trying to get into other things like chicken wings and desserts. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Their ability to increase all of those things. A so number of stores. The number of people who use each store, the average basket size that we talk yeah. about in retail, where they're buying not just a pizza, but a drink, some garlic bread, some chicken wings, and maybe a you know dessert. Uh, yeah, exactly, a mud cake or something. You know, it's, it's there's different ways of doing it, but there is absolutely, as you say, a, a natural you know kind of high watermark. And to yeah. some degree, they've they've pretty much got rid of Eagle Boys. Domino Pizza Hut, sorry, is pretty much a shadow of its former self. Um, when we were kids, we used to go to Pizza Hut in the restaurants and, and eat there all you can eat at the, at the salad bar. And, and, and Pizza Hut was the, the thing, right? Domino's was up and coming. Yeah, that's just gone, right? Right. So 10, yeah, 10 years later, 15 years later. No salad bars. Maybe 20 years later, I'm getting a bit older. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it doesn't take much, right? And so I think there's, there's, something to, there's something to that as well. Real money advice from real people. Not just a couple of dicks with a Porsche. Get more at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Let's talk about some of what's going on in the media and advertising industry. Now, if we went back three or four years and we talked about advertising in the media, the, 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 the broad concept was this. Free-to-air TV is going to get killed by subscription television, pay TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, pay TV is going to get killed by online advertising. The only future for advertising is online because you can do it's pay-per-click. No one's advertising on TV. No one's watching TV. No one's advertising on traditional media, newspapers, billboards. It's all gone. It's all about online. Now, fast forward four or five years, 
And the hottest sector in advertising right now is the outdoor advertising market. The old-fashioned billboards, this is almost the very first, you know, pre-TV, maybe even pre-radio, there were billboards. Right? This is probably the oldest mass media mm. advertising market around. Mm. And it's having something of a massive, massive comeback. What's mm. going on in that market and what's it kind of spawning around the corporate activity? Mm. So uh, I'll take a slightly different take. I'll, I'll, I wouldn't say that they're- You, know, you know, ignore they, my question altogether, right? Yeah. Do your best, do your best. I'll try my best. So, <laughs> I wouldn't say that they are uh, you know, making a massive comeback. Um, I think that it's an industry that's going a massive change. Okay. I'd say that. Okay. And, and I think, um, I mean, they're still under attack from the other forces that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what is interesting there is um, uh, they are, you know, essentially, um, I guess, uh, taking on technology and trying to do things there in, in, in different ways. Right? right. So the traditional billboard used to be, you know, one billboard sign that somebody would climb and change every, I don't know. We've all seen them, pa- <laughs> yeah, with, with the big broom pasting up the individual exactly. s- yeah, slices yeah. of paper. Yeah. Yep. Um, a massive, massive effort. So, you know, but now, now the terminology here is called furnitures, right? These are called furnitures. Right, right. right. You have the street furnitures where you have the... Ah, uh, yes, the, the bus shelters, the, that kind the of stuff. Bus, bus right, shelters right, right. and these big uh, billboards uh, around the city or on the, on the highways and things like that. And these are the digital billboards, right? So it's all it's all big TV screens now, not not blokes with with uh, brooms and, and pots of glue. Exactly. Well, that's the big change, right? So, and now they think that they can use the fact that it's digital and then they could therefore digitally beam things there mm. on the fly. They can actually use technology to figure out, you know, well, based on the you know type of people that are driving, you know, mm. during the morning hours, you may show different things. During the evening hours, you might show different things. You can cycle through multiple ads instead of having one ad stuck there for like 30 days. So that's sort of the change that's happening. And I think that the other change is happening is in terms of scale. Mm. People are trying to build scale to compete with uh, the online guys, right? So uh, that's why we are seeing a lot of takeovers and mergers and so on. Right. So So that's what I want to get to, right? So these guys are on high PEs, right? So the O-Medias and the APN Outdoors and the Here, There and Everywheres of the world, these guys are on on really junky PEs, Mm -hmm. um, partly because the growth has been really, really great over the last five years. So your Mm -hmm. point, yes, maybe maybe they're not coming back necessarily, but as you say, the ability to, you can make so much more money out of a, Digital billboard, yeah. just because it's digital in the first place. So rather than a rather than one ad, one picture, one message, you can have a, a moving message, a revolving message. You yeah. can have stuff scrolling and pictures, and it's more vibrant. And then you can, as you say, charge people different rates for different times of the day, or you yeah. can have multiple advertisers on the same billboard. So each bit of real estate is delivering much, much more revenue for its owner exactly. and, and the agent. In this case, the the big advertising companies. Yet there's a whole lot of takeovers going on. So we've had we've seen JC Deco out of the out of France. Mm-hmm. Uh, people will see the JC Deco name around, maybe on the back of taxis or, or mm-hmm. bus stops. Mm-hmm. Um, it's now coming to take over APN Outdoor. Mm-hmm. We've seen O Media, Double O H O Media, trying to buy a piece of here, there, and everywhere. The ad shell business, the street furniture you talked about. Mm-hmm. What's driving the consolidation? What's drive? Is is it is M and A fever taking over, or is there genuine value here in the consolidation? Well, so I think what happens is, you know, my favorite terminology is this, uh, a business is dead, which is not really dead. <laughs> <laughs> you do like to say things are dead yeah. a lot, I've noticed. So, uh, uh, yeah. So when I say Sh- in- Shades of the Dead Parrot sketch been yeah. reverse, I think. So, so when I say it's dead, it's, uh, <laughs> what I basically mean is, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to slowly saunter around. You're a growth investment. Anything not growing at 45% yeah, is dead, yeah, yeah, like, exactly. let's be honest. It's going to grow at like 5% forever, uh, which, is, which is not a bad business. I mean, you know, I'll take I, it. I'll take it. At the right price. <laughs> at the right price. So, so the, 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 yeah. So in this case, that's what happening i mean in this particular case i think u media offered uh, to buy um uh, the, the ad shell uh, yeah ad shell yep. um but they got outbid by or no apn apn outdoor actually 
That's right. Put in a bid and they got- They were outbid by Urbina, correct? And the French came aboard AP and Outdoor to really add misery, add insult to injury, yeah. Yeah, so I think they're just trying to build scale here. Right. And if you have a significant scale, I guess it gives you some buying power and you, I guess some pricing power in terms of the ads that you want to show. And yeah, I think that's sort of what's going on is really- yeah, it's an industry, and we see that happening in in the media landscape mm, as well, mm. right? I mean, we're seeing Disney trying to buy someone else, right, 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 and and again, that's because it's an industry under attack. And Disney and Comcast are bidding for the Fox assets or most the of the Fox assets. assets. Fox yep. assets yeah. Yep. So, so it's a sort of the same phenomenon, I think. So, how do you think about? So, I think talking about media and advertising, we know it's horribly cyclical. Mm. And in Australia, at least, we've been through 26 years of unbroken growth. So it's hard not to make money in advertising in Australia, at least for the past couple of decades. Mm-hmm. And I think that probably leads a lot of people to forget that these things are cyclical. Yes. When the economy turns down, all of a sudden, we're going to see a whole lot of companies pull their marketing dollars. If you pull your marketing dollars, then you can't charge as much for that marketing space, whether that's a billboard or 30 seconds on TV or a, or a cost per click ad on, online somewhere on your favorite website. How do you think about the advertising and media industries, generally speaking? Yeah, so I think you're right. So it's a cyclical um, economic activity is going to decide what's going to, you know, how much people are willing to pay mm-hmm. for, for these uh, ads. So uh, I guess, you know, bulking up basically helps, right? I mean, in, in the bad times, you might be <laughs> actually able to survive if you're a small player, you right, might right. actually be squeezed out completely. On the other hand, if you're a big player, maybe the the best time to buy a smaller asset mm. <laughs> is when they're being squeezed right, out right. at a good price, right? So So I don't know. I have... I personally feel that the 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 media industry right now is undergoing consolidation mm-hmm. um, because it thinks it needs to do that, and it's paying high prices. It looks to right, me like right. Disney is paying a lot for uh, uh, for Fox. It looks like these guys are here paying like what a billion dollars or something was the deal here. Not bad, is it? <laughs> it's, like, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. To, it's good time to be a seller. Yeah, let's put it that way. Yeah. So it it looks to be a good market for the seller, <laughs> bad market for the buyer. Right. Right. Which means the which which means that what's left over after these aggregations <laughs> is probably not good. <laughs> so that's what I feel about it. it yeah. I, I've largely stayed away from this industry, uh, mm. these the billboards industry. So. Me too. I have to say, I've been I've intended a few times. The like last five years, the growth has been really, really strong. Uh, but I have to say, again, cyclical industry, as you say, consolidation coming, and to some degree, they've kind of made, particularly the outdoor advertising guys, they've made all the, the hay they're going to make. They've kind of gone through that transformation now. Almost all billboards are all significant size billboards in, in good places are digital. Yeah, they've already kind of charging as much as they can for the advertisers. You kind of get that step change once, right? There's a whole lot of industries. Uh, they move to cloud computing, for example. Cloud yeah. accounting is one is one such thing. Once you get to the end game of that in any particular industry, then you're back to kind of regular GDP-ish type yeah. growth. And I think, to my mind, that's the problem with advertising. Not only is it cyclical, but you've yeah. also got that kind of, that kind of you know, high-low, um, you know, you get high growth until you saturate the market, exactly. and then you're back to growing at GDP. I think they've had a, they've done, look, they've done exceptionally well. These guys have, deserve all the plaudits they get for reinventing an industry. Yeah. They've done it really, really well. Um, but again, sometimes extrapolation can kill you, and yeah. I think in this case, it may well be the case. Get more Motley Fool money advice at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Mate, I hesitate to bring this next one up because I know you oh. like to rant about property. Oh. And this isn't even the rant. This isn't even, this is this is the, the pre-rant rant. Right. What's we the- saw Macquarie come out this week. Yes. And th- so here's the thing. Up until that point, the general view has been APRA, so the Australian Prudential Regulatory Authority who control the banks, have been cracking down on the amount of money that banks can lend 
banks themselves have been taking fewer risks. So goes the the theory. So goes the kind of general consensus. Mm-hmm. Macquarie did what they call mystery shopping. So they sent some undercover kind of potential mortgage borrowers out into the market and went and just tried to test the waters. Their conclusion, somewhat against the current orthodoxy, is there is no significant reduction in the amount of credit out there. So, so much for a credit crunch that was supposed to be coming out to restrict what borrowers could borrow, force house prices down, all that kind of good stuff. Macquarie are pretty much saying it's business as usual. Mm. So, yeah. So, what's interesting about it is that Macquarie came out with that report, and and basically UBS came out with the report, I think, which is on on the AFR today, which basically kind of contradicts that. Um, so, <laughs> something for everyone. <laughs> something for everyone. So, I, I think my view is this. I think there is no credit crunch happening yet. Right. I mean, if if you are, a, I think what has changed is if you are a borrower uh, who can borrow, you can still borrow. Right. Right. But I think the 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 borrowing conditions or the credit conditions have become more strict. Um, I think the banks are asking for more deposit, and you know, and they're they're probably looking at your ability to pay more uh, or pay 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 the loan that you're taking mm-hmm. more carefully. Right. Um, is that a credit crunch? Not, not really. I think what I think what UBS is making a, a different point. What UBS is trying to say is that um, most of the contraction that had to happen mm. for in the investor land or in the investors, uh, the property investors land has happened. Right. And the you know if uh, you know and the Royal Commission is ongoing and and if there are uh, more strict, um, I guess, um, lending criteria that come through that, mm-hmm. then those will. You know, cause further changes, right? right? For and this is for the you know the the owner lender or owner borrower mm-hmm. uh, category. Um, now they claim that you know the borrowing capacity could shrink by thirty percent, right? Wow. Okay. Right. Now and, and they and they're pointing to a couple of other things, and this is something we've talked about before. So they're saying that look, you know, the bank swap rate, which is essentially the the bank bill swap rate, which is the rate at which banks lend to each other. Yes, that has been going up. Mm-hmm. Um, largely because the cost for borrowing for the banks have gone up, right? Right, and 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 therefore, if that pressure remains, the, eventually the banks are going to pass on those to uh, to the to the borrowers. I don't right? think there's anything more sure. No, nothing is certainly other than death and taxes. Yeah, but rising interest rates is, from banks themselves, not necessarily RBA, but from banks themselves over the next what six or twelve months. Yeah. It's, it's hard to believe we won't see every one of the major banks increase rates increase. at least once, and maybe not even by a large amount, but by some amount between now and this no, like, time yeah, next year. Yeah, 10 basis points or 0.110 or 0.08 or something okay. like that, you know, is, is very likely if, because they're going to try to protect their, I mean, um, uh, their margins. Right, right we'll so, have no choice, right? You either, you either have to pass on to borrowers, <laughs> you have to tell shareholders not going to get their dividend. <laughs> exactly. And no bank CEO is gutsy enough to tell their shareholders not going to get their dividend. Uh, exactly, so. exactly. And, and, and I mean, so UBS, I mean, I think Macquarie was making the point. I think Macquarie's point of that article was that, you know, the bank are cheap, relatively speaking, historically speaking, and things, yeah. things like that. But you know, the the headwinds are still there for the bank shares, mm. right? In terms of rising interest rates, which might have pressures on the on the uh, on their interest margins, net interest margins, and so on. So, so I haven't changed your mind. Banks aren't a great deal yet. Ah, oh, banks banks are not a great deal. <laughs> Pro- property investing is not a great deal. <laughs> um, well, I'll change my mind. I mean, but, but it looks like we are. We, I mean, I think I, what I honestly believe mm-hmm. is that we have been in a low interest rate environment for so long yep. that people just can't believe that interest rates can go up. Yep. And and then in Australia, Australia is such a lucky country. It has no recession for what, 27 years, 26 right, years. Right. So people believe there can never be a recession. 
<laughs> and, and what could possibly go wrong? What, and, and I said, never say never. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. So uh, that's that's my mind. I, I will say for the, just for the record, lest I leave our listeners in any uh, misunderstanding, I'm also not a big fan of bank stocks at the moment. I'm not as bearish as you are, Doc, uh, but I but I do think that the the headwinds they're sailing into mean that. Market beating performance from the banks is incredibly unlikely over the next five or ten years. I think maybe at the end of that period you might get a few decent years, but the reality of how rising house price, oh sorry, possibly stagnating or falling house prices, the almost certainty of rising interest rates. Um, frankly, they already own the market. There's not a lot of market share growth for any of them either. Um, hard to kind of put together the 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 the, the combination of factors that gives a market beating share price performance over the next five or ten years. I think, Captain, I'll just add. You know, you said I'm bearish. I, I'm not saying the bank shares are go to zero. No, no, no. That, that's that's, 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 that's dead. That's proper dead. Yeah. So, Bearish is in like yeah. they're not they're not going to they're not going to beat the market. You, they're, and they're not going to beat the market. Right. I mean, you're agreeing with me. Correct, that's correct. what I think. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. You know, I don't think they're going to beat the market. Yep. I mean, you know, they can match the market because they're most of the markets. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and and I think they will give you the dividends. That's a, that's a really good point. I'm I'm gonna I'll hold this over. I'll hold this over. Okay. I'll, I'll I'll rant about this later. Mm. But suffice it to say, if you listen next week, you might hear me talk about how to beat the market without being the market. There's a bit of a tease for you. Okay. Value stocks. Market. Stock market. Index. Share market. This is Motley Fool Money. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Mate, mm. disappointingly, we haven't got Liam with us, unfortunately. And a shout out to Liam. He's, uh, his family's a bit crook. So he's off to the doctor this morning as we record this on Friday. So I won't, we won't have the, the, uh, the, the race caller calling the horses into the stall. But despite that, I will give you the opportunity to saddle up on the Motley Fool Money high horse. Let, right. it, let it rip, mate. All right. Okay. So um, one of my pet peeves, really my pet peeves is- <laughs> There we go. You're getting the spirit of it. I like it, this. It's, this is, this is Come like, on. And this is let not, me have it. This is not property, actually. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, so, and what- okay. so talk, <laughs> talk to anyone about the share market, and I'm talking general public mm-hmm. and friends and so on. So, oh, the stock market is very risky. What well, is? It's super risky. Get Swift's crashed. I don't want to uh, lose Biggin it. has crashed. Right. Blue Sky has crashed. Unlocked didn't even make it to the market. Who yes. the hell wants to buy shares? Exactly. Who the one? Who too wants risky, to, mate. Yeah, too, too risky. Too risky. Too risky. But I think what people here forget is that risk and volatility are two different things. <laughs> right. No, if it goes up, I make money. If I go down, I lose money. So if it's volatile, I lose money. No, That's but you, you, it goes, bad, right? Uh, it goes up a little bit, goes down a little bit. But over time, it actually goes up. What people forget is the stock markets have delivered fantastic returns. So I, I looked at a report recently which looked at, what, 100 years of the market? Right, and um, we were number two. The Australian stock market has the second highest return, inflation adjusted, in the past hundred years. But it's a casino, mate. It's an absolute casino. It's you've seen ca- you've seen the share price all over the place. They're up one day, down the next. The smart money's in there making money from us poor mugs. How the hell is share investing not risky? So, th- so when they say the market, they basically mean that you could just buy some index fund, mm-hmm. and you could have actually got 8%, 9% return over a 100-year period. Now, if you compound that, that's a lot of money. <laughs> now, now, you can take a-, a That's no- a shed load, I think, we, it's a, the official oh, term. I, I don't know, bucket load, whatever, you know, ocean load, whatever you want to call it. Um, you, you could put your money in a, a term deposit and get 2%. Yeah. Right? You're not going to keep up with inflation. You can put it anywhere else. Maybe you get a little bit more. The stock market is risky on an individual stock basis, but if you have a diversified portfolio of enough number of stocks taking you know, a balanced risk-reward sort of low outlook, you can do really well in the stock right, market. Right, so all you do is buy a diversified portfolio and then never fall. 
Oh, it will fall. <laughs> well, that's risky then. Hang on. Wait, you can't say both. What, what is it? Is it risky or is it not? It's not risky if it falls because if it falls, you just buy more. <laughs> <laughs> but what if, okay. So what if, I, what if I'm in retirement though? I can't afford to buy any more. Right. So then, then I'm stuffed. I lose money. I lose money. Okay, so if 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 you're say a retiree and mm-hmm. your portfolio is delivering you five percent of uh, in in terms of income via dividends, it's pretty well, good. It's pretty a few franking credits on top of that. Check some franking credits. That that's you know grossed up. It will be six and a half something like that. Um, what's your problem even if the if the your principal falls a bit? It falls and then it goes back. But what if it doesn't come back up? Well, that's, that's what I'm worried about, Doctor. I'm, I'm 68. I've retired. Mm. I see my portfolio fall forty percent during the GFC, and I'm just ready to tear my hair out. Mm. So. Hasn't ha- what happened after the GFC? The markets have had a fantastic run after GFCs. Those people who sold in GFC right. have lost out on an opportunity to have fantastic returns over the last ten years. Right, Fair it happens enough. every time. You know, you just you can sell out and then you can just wait. You can wait till the market hits its new high and then buy in. <laughs> In the interim, you would lose out on returns. So I'm going to try and summarize what you just said, mate, because I completely agree for what it's worth. I do like playing the devil's advocate just for fun. But a couple of things. So first, I think you and I would both agree, if there's any money you need from your capital, you shouldn't have it in the share market, your expenses over the next three to five years, right? If you need to live off that capital, you don't want to be forced to sell when the market falls. And it will fall again. You don't want to be forced to sell. You want to have that money set aside, either the income from the dividends, if you've got enough of a, a nest egg to live off the dividends, or if you're going to have to use some of that capital, put the first three to five years worth of expenses aside. Have that in cash or something, term deposit. Yes, you won't get a great return, but at least you won't be forced to sell at a loss. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. Second thing is, yes, markets fall, but over time, and this is one of my favorites, they've gained 10% a year despite those falls, mm-hmm. not in the absence of them. So, yes, despite the GFC, despite the 87 crash, despite the dot-com crash, despite the Great Depression, all of those things over the last century have happened, and yet the market has still returned 10%. So time is your friend, not your enemy. Mm-hmm. How's that? I absolutely agree with that. Good man. Well, that does wrap us up, Doc. But before we go, don't forget, listener, you can subscribe to the Triple M Motley Fool Money podcast through iTunes or your favorite Android podcast app. And if you like what we're doing, please do give us a big five-star rating on iTunes and tell your friends. It'll help other people find the podcast. And we like that, and hopefully so will you. As always, if you want to get in touch, you can send us a message on Twitter. We're at the Motley Fool AU. Or send us an email at info at fool.com.au and we will cover your questions, comments and feedback in an upcoming mailbag episode. In fact, stay tuned because that's what we're doing next week. Well, that's it for us for this week in Motley Fool Money. We'll be back next week with another dose of Foolish Insight. Thanks for listening and Fool on. Fool on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.